When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great to have you with us here on the GM Shuffle. Everybody is enjoying their summers right now. Hopefully everyone is enjoying the Olympics as well. We've got lots of football talk to get to, though. As always, it feels like there's quarterbacks in the middle of it, or should I say, at the bottom of it. Daniel Jones at the bottom of a dog pile, leading to his head coach absolutely livid. Phillip Rivers says, you know what? Maybe I could come back, but we'll lead with Carson Wentz, undergoing foot surgery to remove a loose piece of bone in his left foot. Now, according to his head coach, Frank Reich, with a nod to Daniel Day-Lewis, my left foot. There were no further complications after the surgery. <laughs> I knew you'd appreciate that, Mike. The, the doctors think the surgery could have been an aggravation from an injury he suffered in high school. First thing here, Mike, because you and I both believe that Wentz will bounce back, that his best chance for success is with Frank Reich. But how about the 5-12 to 12 timeline? You've been around a lot longer than me in football. Maybe this is more complicated. When I hear normally I hear 4-6, to six, right? I hear 6-8. to eight. If I hear 5-12, to 12, I go, holy shit. So if he's out for five weeks, wait, he's back for the season opener against Seattle, which, let's be clear, he still needs time in training camp. Of course, he needs reps. But if someone tells me, hey, my starting quarterback's going to be out, but he will play meaningful football, great. Otherwise, it could be out till November. How commonplace is a 5- to 12-week diagnosis? Well, I mean, look, they probably were watching the Olympics when they gave that diagnosis out, and they got mesmerized by all the commercials. Can we just change the name of the Olympics to the commercials? Can we just change it to the commercials? I mean, you know, we'll call it, you know, we'll call it Uber. We'll call it Toyota. I mean, my man, Bill Berman had a great line. He said, look, if I just buy a Toyota, will they stop running all these ads? I mean, seriously, like you can't watch it. You get one, you get one race commercial for 20 minutes, another race commercial. None of it's live. I mean, like, is there a more disappointing event? I mean, I remember as a kid growing up, we used to all sit around in the summer to watch the Olympics at night, you know? Now, I understand there was no Twitter and there was nobody knew what was going to happen. And we were all just stunad there sitting there watching like we didn't know anything, which we didn't. But God damn, how many commercials are they going to ask me to watch, A.D.? 
to your point, Mike, I used to always think, like you said, the Olympics are special, and the whole point of it is family viewing. I got my parents here visiting my brother. Hey, let's sit around the house tonight and watch the Olympics. But, but first off, maybe I've just changed, but I'm like, I don't know how locked in I am into rhythmic gymnastics and swimming at 8 o'clock at night. I'm like, you know what? I think I'm good on this. And to your point, you get one meet in commercials, and everything's everywhere. Like, it's CNBC, it's MSNBC, it's streaming on Peacock. None of it's live. Tariko's taking me through the whole thing. It's four hours. It's, it, it feels like a, a, a ritual. Well, every Olympics we complain, but I'm with you. I know you paid a billion dollars, NBC. You're trying to get the money back on it, but it, it's a lot. I mean, it's just it's it makes it unwatchable. It really does, and I feel bad. I mean, I love watching the athletes. I, I love getting into it, how hard they've worked, and all that, you know, and the preparation that they go through, whether they're from America or from Slovenia or from Italy. I don't care. You know, I love watching them. I mean, I was watching the gymnastics. I watched Simone Biles do her gig up there. I mean, it was incredible. I mean, these are just uniquely gifted people that you know you want to watch. But God dang, I mean, you know, in the age of where YouTube won't, well, you can buy it without commercial. I mean, they got to come up with a better way than this. They really do. I mean, they got to either, you know, we'll, you know, pay five extra bucks a month to have it if you want it on cable, you know, whatever it is. But gosh darn, do they have to do it? I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, we're getting programmed. You know, that's maybe why the Masters is so popular because they don't have all those commercials. They limit it and you get into the show. Anyway, let's go back to Wentz. Five to 12 weeks. They were on a commercial break. We just went on a commercial break. Anyway. <laughs> You know, like, here's the reality of it. To me, I think when it comes to foot injuries, and look, I'm going to quote Belichick here. I'm not a fucking doctor, okay? <laughs> but the reality of it is, is, is that those five to 12, I think when you're dealing with foot injuries, you never know. You, you know, you never know. You get in there and if you have to put a screw in, the screw doesn't take or you don't do this or that, you know, next thing you know, it, it, it's longer than you thought. So they, they went with five to 12. Not that it makes sense. And they say after two weeks, they're going to reevaluate it. There's a really good chance he could play in the opener. Really good chance. Now, Quentin Nelson gets the same injury. I mean, I don't know what's in the water in Indianapolis, but he gets the same injury. And they have to do, do the same procedure. The best part of this is Wentz didn't have to leave town to go see, to go wait for Dr. Andrews to look at it. He didn't have to leave town to get another opinion. He just went ahead and got it done, and they move on. You know, and I think that really, you know, in talking to the people at the Colts, they were very excited about what they've seen so far from Wentz. Like you and I believe he can get this thing turned around. You know, everybody thinks Wentz is broken Maybe Wentz was broken because of the situation. Maybe sometimes a different situation will enable a player to go back. But what I love, A.D., is the reaction, who they're telling Chris Ballard he should sign. Yeah, it gets ridiculous because you start to say to yourself, like you said, either he could be back this season over, maybe he's back till November. But here's your options. You got Brett Hundley signed late last week to add competition. You got 2024th round pick Jacob Eason and rookie sixth round pick Sam Ellinger. And Reich told reporters right now the job is Easton's. And I say, eesh. Like, I hope that defense can step up because, I, listen, and, and by the way, I should make clear, they're going to narrow down the timetable once he begins rehab in two weeks. So they're not going to be sitting there September 5th right. going, hey, so we'll have a better idea in two weeks. But, man, if I want to contend, I'm going to go get myself a veteran quarterback in a couple weeks if Wentz ain't back till November. Right. And look, we don't know Eason. See, here's the thing that, that really, this is, this is the job of a general manager during training camp, right? We don't know what the situations are. We don't know what he's watching every day, right? So I don't know what Eason looks like. Like, let's go back to 1999 when, when Trent Green 
gets his knee injury. And Dick Vermeil's crying on the podium again. And he announces that Kurt Warner, who had yet to take a rep with the starters, who was just in the 99 expansion draft available to the Cleveland Browns, which they didn't take, was going to be the starter. We all laughed. We all laughed. I remember playing a preseason game, and I'm like, who is this guy, Warner? Like, it was unbelievable how good he looked. But you don't know. And the job of a GM is so difficult and challenging in the sense that you have a young player that you watch in practice. Is he good enough to go forward? And this is the debate that always happens in most all sports. Do you go for the young player? Do you let him grow? Or do you bring in an old player, Barcells would call it progress stopping, and see what he can do? The reality of it is, is you got to make that call. That's the GM's call, the head coach's call. He's got to make that call because sometimes you get torn into draft picks. Well, we drafted a guy. We got to let him see what he can do. No, you got to be honest with yourself. You can't be, you can't fall prey to, well, we drafted him. So we got to have to do it. You got to really evaluate it closely. And, And I think what you must be able to do is separate what fact is from fiction. Like everybody says, well, they should bring back Nick Foles. Did anybody watch Nick Foles play football the last 18 games since they built the statue in front of the Lincoln Forum? I mean, seriously, has anybody watched him? Like, he's not very good. You know, he gets a huge deal with with Jacksonville, starts the opening game, hurts his shoulder. Minshew comes in, plays really well. He can't get the job back from Minshew when he's healthy. He replaces Minshew when he's not healthy. And then Minshew replaces him because he's not very good. He has this huge contract. Only the great Ryan Pace is willing to take it off his hands. Guaranteed money. He's got $16 million guaranteed for the next year. So Pace, being the you know idealist, says, okay, I'll take that money and I'll spread it over three years and I'll get a three-year and i got a backup quarterback and potentially somebody who could come in because he's listening to Matt Nagy, who coached Foles in, in Kansas City. He's listening to John Filippo, who coached him in Philly and Jacksonville. Right, he's listening to Bill. Lay- All these guys love him. Say, oh yeah, he. If Mitch doesn't go, we got a we got a starting quarterback. Right, you can hear the co- I can hear the conversations now. Okay, they sign him. They take the sixteen million. They spread it out over three years. They lock him in, and now they play him, and he played like crap. He played so bad he made Mitch look good. And now everybody wants the Colts to sign him. Everybody wants Ballard to take on nine million of debt that the Bears have already asked, have, are on the hook for to bring him in to back up a guy when you might not even need a backup. He may not even be better than Eason. I don't know. That's the flight of the general manager. You've got to be able to weigh all these things, and you've got to make really good decisions on it. You can't go with a rookie who's not ready, or you can't go with, a, with an old player who, who's too old. Like, like I'll give you a perfect example, A.D., the 76ers, they trade 77 number two picks for George Hill. And they told Tony Bradley, they trade a bunch of junk to get George Hill to bring him in for the playoff run, to bolster their roster, right? The guy was nothing. They should have played Maxi. They should have played Maxi those minutes. He would have been more ready to play in the playoffs when it comes. That's the dilemma of the general manager. It is quite a dilemma. And the final point here on Wentz, I'll say this, Mike. Injury prone is a really damaging label to give somebody. Maybe I'm just kind of treading the line here. I won't say injury prone, but I'll say, as you have told me, one of the best abilities you have is durability. And durability is a concern for Carson Wentz. Period. Right? No doubt. You can't argue with that. I mean, he has to prove he can stay on the field. He's got to prove he – I mean, he's a big kid. He's got to prove he can take a hit. He's got to prove he can stay there. You you know, and and I mean, this is all out there, you know. 
This is all out there. You've got to be able to do it. And ultimately, that's what separates the greats is being on the field, pushing through. I know it's bad luck sometimes. Hopefully, he's back sooner rather than later. Hopefully, he's back the season opener. Only time will tell. One guy out there, though, the Colts could call. What do you think about Phillip Rivers? That's right. The 39-year-old Phillip Rivers, he and his eight kids, coaching high school football in Alabama. He told the LA Times, I'm just going to stay ready. I'm not predicting I'll play in December or January for that matter. One, you've got to have somebody who wants you. And two, it's got to be right. But I've not completely ruled that out. Considering how many bad quarterbacks we see through the course of a season, Mike, I also would not rule out Philip Rivers coming back, maybe at some point. No, I think he would. I mean, it makes sense. Would you rather sign Philip Rivers or would you rather sign, you know, trade for Nick Foles and pick up nine million? The problem is what what is Rivers gonna want to come back? He's not coming back for a minimum deal. You know, he's not gonna leave coaching that high school team for a minimum deal. You're gonna have to pay him something, right? So what do you what is that what is he worth? What is he gonna come in at, you know, for the remainder of the season? What's that cap value? And where are you as a team? But certainly he's gonna be on a, on everyone's top list in terms of a guy that come in, get you through three or four weeks to get you through uh to see if you can keep your team. Look, the other thing I think we gotta talk about for Ballard and the Colts is you know, if say Wentz is five weeks what it's opening day. And nine weeks is the end of September. I mean, September isn't going to really matter. At the end of the day, who's in first place in September won't be in first place in December. Pretty much, right? You got to build your team. And with 17 games, I think September is going to be even further of the of the exhibition season. So I think, look, if I lose a game in September playing a young player, I'll win a game playing him in December because he'll be ready to go. That was Bill Walsh's theory all the time. And that's why only time will tell how long Wentz ends up being out. Imagine, though, if your quarterback gets hurt in a dog pile in training camp. Don't laugh. This would happen to the New York Giants. Now, guys get feisty in training camp, but this is a little bit ridiculous. Tight end Evan Ingram retaliated after a late hit to running back Corey Clement. Safety Logan Ryan came in and leveled Ingram from behind. The whole team jumped in, including quarterback Daniel Jones, who ended up at the bottom of the pile. Head coach Joe Judge, absolutely livid, screamed at his team after the scuffle, ended practice, had them do conditioning for the rest of the afternoon. First question, why is Daniel Jones jumping into a brawl? He said, quote, he's part of the team. How normal is this, Mike? I know guys get feisty, guys get fired up, but this could have been an absolute unmitigated disaster for New York. Yeah, I mean, look, and I know, you know, that Judge from the Bill Belichick school has always, has always, you know, has talked. When you put pads on, the first thing the coach is going to talk to you about is, look, we don't want fights. Look, we're not going to fight, right? We're not going to fight. No fights. You know, you get you're in a fight, you're off the field, you're leaving practice. So, you know, I know Judge well enough to know that he kind of went over this with the team. But you know what happens? Emotions flare. People get excited, and, and it takes over. And unfortunately, it spread to something that they don't want to see. It's interesting. They all heard the the the, the cursing by Judge from the sideline, which you know goes right back into what Kelvin Benjamin said about Joe. All he does is curse, which Joe is a is a very proficient cursor. I don't think anybody could use the f word as good as Joe could in a consecutive sentence without commas. It's really <laughs> rather brilliant. It is really rather brilliant. He can do it. He can do it with flair. I mean, no commas, semicolons, no, you know, no dot, 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 none of that stuff. He can get it all in there. So, you know, look, it is what it is. I mean, Daniel Jones apparently had a good day at practice, was one of his better days of practice, and it kind of this has become the story. That's the other thing, AD. Are you tired of reading about how many guys are having good practices? Like, seriously. 
Yeah, you like, can, you like can sit your watch to it, right? This guy looks good. He's coming on strong. It's just, it's all garbage. It's all nonsense. I, I would read the reports when I was in, you know, any place. And I think that they think that guy had a good practice. Are you kidding me? Like, seriously, you know, so you have to ignore it. You got to go by the games and, you know, who's charting this practice and that. I think it's great. I think it's great that they are, but nobody's really playing football yet, and no one's playing. The hardest thing to do in the camp is players get to know one another, and so instead of playing the game of football, they're actually competing against the system a little bit. So their level of production looks a lot better. You know, this corner always covers this receiver, where this receiver goes against this corner because he knows he can win. That takes a little bit away from the game. It definitely does, and thank you for the Giants. It was not a colossal disaster. Been a lot of shakeups in the NFL this season, potentially no more so than in the AFC South. Our final preview before the preseason concludes for the AFC South next. All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So... As a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do Go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. AFC South, the latest division that we're looking at, the Titans last year were 11-5. They were first. 2021 first-round pick Caleb Farley, the corner out of Virginia Tech, and their key acquisition, in case you forgot, was acquiring wide receiver Julio Jones from the Atlanta Falcons. Over-under win total of 9.5. I will take the over, Mike. I see 10 wins for this team, and Julio Jones is definitely going to impact the Titans' passing game. But can Derrick Henry keep up the big load he's had at running back? Yeah, I think that the two questions you have to answer for the Titans. First of all, the fact that they won 11 games last year with a defense, with a defense as bad as they were. I mean, they were so horrendous on defense. The opponent, they threw, opponents threw 36 touchdown passes against them last year. They gave up 7.3 yards per attempt. They gave up 439 points. And think about it. They had a score almost 500 points to have a positive plus point differential. You know, now they add Bud Dupree. They've added Janoris Jenkins, who wants to be called Jack Rabbit Jenkins. God bless you, Jack Rabbit. Good luck this year. You know, all those things. I mean, for Vrabel to win 11 games with that defense as bad as it was, I think it's one of the great coaching jobs of all time. I mean, think about this, AD. They allowed 52% of their opponents' third down conversions. I mean, they literally had to outscore people. Cleveland, they, you know, Cleveland scored 41 on them. They lose. You know, they had 45 on the – I mean, they just they had to get into track meets again, people. 
And I think it's a tribute to what he does managing the game and coaching the game. They got to be better on defense. And I think if Henry's as good as he's been, which I think he will be, along with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, they should be an easy 11-win team. That's the story when it comes to the Titans. How about the Colts? Obviously, so much of this hinges on Wentz. Uh, they did get Quiddy Pay, the defensive end yeah. for Michigan, the first-round pick. 11-5 and five a season ago, there was second. The over-under win total at 10, but it's all about Wentz. So I, I think it's tough yeah. for you or, or me to make a pick right now. I, I would go under right now because I figure Wentz will miss at least September, maybe October, but 10 right now is the over-under, and you and I both know their defense was phenomenal a season ago. Yeah, but a couple holes in their defense, right? They weren't great on third down. They allowed 43%, almost 43% on third downs, you know, conversions, which wasn't good enough. And they gave up a really high number. They gave up 7.3 yards per attempt, you know. And so I think they've got to improve in those two areas. Now, they've added pass rushers. You know, they've tried to do the things to help their defense, which I think they will. Look, the number one thing they can't do is they can't lose the game, right? He said if he has to play, Wentz, if he plays, we can't turn this ball over. We play really good football. We play within, within the framework. Having a home stadium again with the crowd noise should help our defense, especially our run defense. I liked him on the over when I thought Wentz was going to play. Now, I, you know, I'm not so sure. I lean towards the over here, but I think you're right. It's probably a wait-and-see play. Next up, we got the Texans. They were four and twelve a season ago. They've acquired Mark Ingram and Philip Lindsay. So a couple of running backs there. Deshaun Watson. Who knows if he plays a game for them? David Culley as the team's new head coach. Over under win total at five. So much of this is about Watson. Like I might take the under. I, I don't know how they're getting that much better. I mean, maybe just so you know, they luck into a game here or there. But over under at five actually feels about accurate. And so much of this depends on Deshaun. Right. And I mean, everybody's, why isn't Deshaun practicing? Seriously, like you're asking that question, (laughs) you know, why would they practice him? I mean, he, they think he's going to get suspended. If they didn't think he was going to get suspended and they thought he was going to be on the team, I'm sure he'd be getting reps. I mean, they know more about the 22 civil cases than we do. They know more about the eight cases that the Houston police office is investigating, two of which are not in the civil cases, which would make 24. So, you know, the reason he's not practicing is because I think they're probably pretty convinced there's going to be some decision made on where he's going to be this year, play or not play. I can't imagine the NFL isn't going to have to make a ruling. They've been investigating all along, you know, but when you go back to the Texans, I mean, I think offensively, I don't think they're going to be a bad team. I really don't. I think they'll be fine. Decent. I don't think they're, you know, I think they're a six-win team the way they're set up, but their defense is not very good. And Tyrod Taylor, who knows what he can do. So for me, I like, I think you got to lean towards the under because of the uncertainty of their defense, but I don't think they're as bad as people are making them out to be. I really don't. Okay, it's interesting. Let me get to the Jaguars, who last year were as bad as it gets. One in 15, but you got Trevor Lawrence, you got Travis Etienne. Urban Meyer making the transition from college to the NFL and Trevor Lawrence. And hopefully enough pieces on defense to keep them in games. Over, under at six. It's a big jump from one win to over six, but what the hell? I'll take the over. Seven and ten I'll call for the Jaguars. You? Yeah, I I think that's right, AD. I think they got to be better. I mean, just... The, the fact that they're going to be – everybody will be on the same page. they got a head coach who's not going anywhere. You know, they kind of got a marquee quarterback that I think – and I think Daryl Bevel, for whatever, you know, the criticism comes of Bevel, I think he'll give them some professionalism offensively. You know, he won't try to come out there and put it all on on – on Lawrence. He'll run the ball. They've got two really good running backs. They've got good receivers. The line should be better. I, I think they'll play better. 
I think defensively, the concern, I think they're too small on defense. I'm not sure how fast they'll be. And I think they've got to work their way through the Joe Cullen, Charlie Strong, who's the coordinator, what what are they going to run? I can't wait to watch him in the preseason so I could see that. So, you know, I, I, I lean towards the over here. All right, that's our look there at the divisions. But a little more NFL talk before we'll take a quick timeout. Chris Spielman, who you've talked about before, what's his role going to be with Detroit? One of the greatest linebackers in Lions history, all-time franchise leader in tackles. But now his role is, quote, special assistant in the organization. Derek Barnes, a fourth-round draft pick for the Lions out of Purdue. And clearly, Spielman's been getting some tutoring from him. During camp, Barnes has been seeking him out. Spielman has been seen working with a young linebacker. You've said before, Mike, this is interesting. What's Chris Spielman going to be doing here? This caught your eye. What do you make of him and Barnes, the fourth-round pick for the out of the boilermakers? Well, I, I think this is a – you know, people ask all the time, how do you know if you have a good culture? Like, how do you know if you have a really good culture? Well, there's examples of what, your te- what people are doing within your culture. And one of the ways you know you have a good culture is everybody knows what their job is. And Spielman's job is not to coach the team. Spielman's job is really not to interact with the players. Spielman's job is to basically be a, a, a conduit between himself, the front office, learn the game, understand the game, separate himself, become an executive. You can't be friends with the players. If you want to coach the players, get on the coaching staff. But what he is telling those players may be contradictory to what Aaron Glenn, the defense coordinator, wants to be teaching his players. There's no way, there's no way any coach looked at that and said, oh, that's really good for the Lions. Now, fans think that's great. Fans think that's wonderful. Oh, look, Chris Spielman, he's so knowledgeable. He knows what he's doing. He's been a great player. Oh, God, he's really helping. No, 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 no chance. No, that's not what he's supposed to be doing. So the more he sticks his beak in there, as Tony would say, you know, and starts snooping around like Johnny Sack moving into New Jersey, that wasn't good, right? You know, he's coming over. What are you going over over here? Well, you know, a little fresh air. No, no, you're sticking your beak in. Like, you stick your beak in places that don't belong, it hurts the culture. It hurts the culture. And this is what the problem was with Spielman. It's reliably reported to me that Matt Campbell interviewed for that job, right? And Matt Campbell, the biggest concern Matt Campbell had about accepting that job was understanding what Spielman's role was. Not that he had anything against Spielman. Nobody does. I don't. I don't. I'm just saying from an organization having lived through it where people are very protective of what their jobs are, that when you put your beak somewhere where it don't belong, you're going to create culture problems within the building. Like, don't go telling a player what you're doing. Don't tell them, don't coach a player. You don't know what, unless you're in those meetings with the defensive staff every single day, you got no business talking about it. And this is completely why they're never going to win there. Because they don't understand what really, they don't even get what culture is. The idea that they brought this guy back to help them build a culture when he's the guy who's going to hurt their culture, to me, is hard. Like, if you're, if I'm the GM there, I tell Spielman, Spielman, Rick, I don't want you in the locker room. I don't want you, you know, your job is here to watch the players, evaluate the players. I'm not saying be rude to the players, but be a professional. Keep your distance. Their locker room, it's their turf, and it's the coaches. Don't go into any of that area because that's not what you do. That's not what the culture believes in. Now, you got all this co-mingling. So when the player makes a mistake, well, you know, Coach Spielman told me I could do that. No, what the fuck? No, he didn't. That's not what we do. (laughs) It, to me, was a perfect indication of everything that I thought would happen. 
and we'll see how that transpires for Detroit. Because you're right, if there's uh, you know people meddling, uh, not a clear rationale of what people's roles are, that can certainly create some frayed egos. Coming up next, this is a terrible situation. Mike Zimmer's got a lot of challenges. How about this one? I just need a shot in the arm. That's right, more needles. The Vikings down almost their entire quarterback room due to COVID. Will this be a reoccurring issue for them? We'll dive in next. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures market, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, how about this? The NFL has made it very clear here. If you're not going to get vaccinated, you're going to get penalized. And the Vikings, they couldn't care less. They're thumbing their noses, apparently, at this. Because the NFL is nearly 90% vaccinated. The Vikings aren't even close. 65%. And now the team is down three of their quarterbacks because of it. Kirk Cousins, Kellen Mond, Nate Stanley, all on the COVID-19 reserve list. Earlier Saturday, Mon returned a positive test. As a result, Cousins and Stanley, they're high-risk close contacts because they are unvaccinated. They've had to isolate for five days. And head coach Mike Zimmer, very frustrated. I talked to the team, and there are quite a few guys that are just against it. I'm not going to be able to change their mind. Some of them just won't do it. I shouldn't say it, but some of the things they read is just dot, dot, dot out there. I couldn't imagine how pissed off and frustrated Zimmer must be right now. Yeah, because it's his job. It's his future, right? He knows it. I mean, here's my issue is, look, Kirk Cousins is a really good player. No one's going to deny that. But there are times when Kirk Cousins lets the pass rush bother him and he gets affected and he shows a little lack of courage. There's, I don't think anybody could argue with that. I mean, But I think the guy played really well last year. I thought he was sensational. But now, you know in the, in the Irishman when the Angelo Bruno character – says to the Irishman, now is not the time not to say. Yeah. Now is not the time for Kirk Cousins to show courage. Like, 
Kurt, save that courage for when you play Green Bay and the Smith brothers are rushing your ass. Save that courage for a playoff game that you need to win. Save that courage for Monday night football, right? COVID's going to – COVID, you're not beating COVID. There's no sense in trying to be courageous against COVID. Like, COVID has destroyed too many families, too many lives. It has, it has, it has hurt the economy. It's done everything. Don't show courage here. Now is not the time to show courage, Kurt. Get a shot. I don't know why you don't want to get one. I, I'm sure you have your reasons. You know, I'm sure there's religious reasons. Some people don't want to get shots. I understand that. I'm sure there's health reasons because of prior circumstances. But look, here's the reality. And I've said this to my sons. I've said this to any coach who asked me. If you want to work in sports, you're going to have to get a vaccination. It's just, that's just the way it's going to be. Look, New York City is going to is going to start checking. I went to see Springsteen. You had to show your vaccination card. Your vaccination card will now be your driver's license. Yeah. Because people are not going to tolerate having an open air state and we're going to spread this. And so you're either going to want to work in the NFL or you're going to risk other people. That's the rules of the game. That's the rules. Yeah, New York City now saying you need proof of vaccination as of in a couple of weeks to go indoor dining to gyms, all that stuff. So you're right. That is a great call. It's going to be like your driver's license. And it's your choice. And I respect the fact it's your choice. But if you want to work in this league, you're going to have to do it. Put up or shut up. And if I'm Coach Zimmer, I'm just beyond frustrated right now. Speaking of a frustrating— I mean, because you can't, you, can't re- you can't reason with them. You know, actually, people think they're spyware in the in the shot when they're carrying an iPhone around. I mean, seriously, how stupid is some of the stuff you hear? <laughs> I, I agree. I'm with you. Listen, I, I like to respect everyone's decision, but some of these ideas are just moronic. Like the government's spying on you. They're purposely trying to get everybody sick. Like, why, why would we do Like, I'm no conspiracy theorist, but seriously, what are you thinking? Just get the damn shot. No doubt. That's all it takes. Just get the shot. Move right. on. Uh, we move on to the Raiders. Quite a bit of a shakeup behind the scenes recently. First team president Mark Bedane left. Now it's vice president of strategy and business development Brandon Dahl leaving after eight years with the team. Peter King recently visited the team, is reporting that nobody's saying why Bedane left. Theories are floating around. He doesn't approve of some of the spending by owner Mark Davis in the midst of a disastrous first financial season in Las Vegas. Mark Davis, unbelievable hair. He obviously has a style all his own. But is the franchise on the right track in Vegas, despite the fact they lost a bunch of money? Well, I think they're going to make it now. I mean, now they could put people in. They had a they had a game in Allegiant Stadium with a, a soccer game that was they say it was incredibly loud. It was such a great venue. So you know, I'm sure he's going to make it. I, you know, I don't know the reasons why Mark left. I think he he only he knows that. I don't think he shared that with anybody else. But look, when you lose somebody who's well liked in the building. When you lose a problem solver within your organization, which they have, you know, it's going to be hard to figure it out. And that's not an easy building. Look, working for Gruden and going into the building with Gruden is not, you know, Gruden's never happy. He's unhappy being unhappy. And so there's nothing good enough, right? You know, this place sucks. uh, You know, I've I've heard it all. So it's probably a, a real difficult challenge for people in that building. And, you know, Peter King wrote that there's no expectations for Gruden to win. I guess not. I mean, you know, he's 43% winning percentage since the Super Bowl. He's 19 and 29 since he's been there. Now, he claims he had to get rid of all the players because, you know, that no other players were good and he had to change the team. That's why they're so young. We shall see. You know, we shall see what they do this year. This year, it's, I think, after year four, I mean, I would think after year three, he would make progress. 
Long road right now for John Gruden and company. Like you said, the people will come. The money will start flowing there in Vegas. You see the Vegas Golden Knights, how successful they'll be in hockey. I'm sure the NFL team will follow suit. That takes us to the mailbag, thegmshuffle at gmail.com, or feel free to send us a message on Instagram, at thegmshuffle. As always, you can follow M. Lombardi NFL and Adnan S. Ferk. This is Casey in Denver. Hey, Mike, there's not much left to be said about his age and accomplishments, but I still find it fascinating that Tom Brady just turned 44 and is still seemingly on the top of his game. Wonder if you have any stories about Tom behind the scenes that we don't see in the media. I mean, I think the one thing that you would see with Tom behind the scenes is a very, uh, very uh, caring and giving person. I mean, you know, always taking things for that he gets from his endorsements, giving it to the people around him, trying to connect. And I think that what you see on the field in terms of his dedication to his craft is what you see off the field. You know, he, he drinks specific, you know, he drinks vitamin water, even though it's never there. He drinks certain, he drinks a certain protein shake. I mean, his discipline to stay consistent, to be able to do it is remarkable. And his appetite for winning is beyond, you know, and, you know, like, look, the, the reality of him playing with a torn MCL doesn't surprise me. I think the guy's been able to play games with injuries that we don't even know. He's been able to fight through it. He has incredible pain tolerance that just makes him such a unique player. And and I don't think there's going to be another one like him. Definitely is a guy unto himself when you look at the accomplishments he's had and still, still accomplishing so much. That brings us to the Pop Culture Minute. I saw the movie Old, which was just terrible. M. Night Shyamalan's new movie, the premise is you go to a beach and all of a sudden you start turning old. Uh, it's lame and uninspired and thankfully did not happen to me and my family when we went to the Hamptons here to visit. We are still all the same age. Uh, as far as the Olympics are concerned, Mike, I want to go back to what we were discussing, not just the commercials, but some of these accomplishments. These skateboarders, I haven't seen a whole lot of it, but I see these headlines. 12 years old, 13 years old, 19 years old winning medals at the Olympics. Like, could you imagine? How do you top that in life? No. Like, it's amazing what these kids do at this age. It's amazing. Like, I don't even know. Like, how do you wake up one day and say, well, I'm going to start working on the high beam or the balance beam? Like, how do you become that? Like, I don't even know how you get there. Like, you know, I get skateboard and kids skateboard. All of a sudden they see the other guys do it and they become really proficient. But like, I don't know how you wake up one day and say, well, I'm going to, you know, really be proficient at the balance beam. Like Christ or a gymnast. Like, I mean, that's like really hard to do. And it requires incredible, incredible work and incredible dedication to your craft. I mean, I just, that's what I love about watching it. You know, I really do. Uh, for me, that's, that's been exciting. Couple things for you. So I'm, I'm going through YouTube the other day and, and I've been finishing this book on Ruby and I wanted to find something on Ruby on his trial. And I come across Oliver Stone has revisited JFK, did you know this? I didn't know this. Wow. Oliver Stone, if he's digging in again, this is going to be 1991 was JFK. So that makes sense. 30 right. years later. Right. So he's got he's got a new documentary that he took over to Keynes. It's called JFK Revisited Through the Looking Class. He produced it. He's gone through all the recently open files of the case, and he's made it into this two-hour documentary. And he's obviously, uh, you know, it's got a different spin. He's trying to tighten some things up. You know, obviously there's certain parts of the media that, that'll say it's no good because that's what they, that's what people want to do. They want you to believe that, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald did it all by himself, that Lee Harvey Oswald went to, he defected to Russia. 
not a problem. Go ahead and do it during the communist era. That's fine. Just go over and live in Minsk and work in a radio factory. No problem. Oh, and you want to come back with your Russian wife? Please feel free to come back. No problem. We'll let you in. In fact, we'll give you money to come back if you'd like to come back. No problem. You need a job? No problem. We'll get you a job. I mean, this is how accommodating <laughs> the American Paul is to to spot to people that defect. I, I get it. I, we see it all the time. Oh, and that picture of that guy that the CIA wants us to believe was in Mexico was the RV. I, I, I'm sure it was just bad photo. They didn't have an iPhone down there at that time. So, yeah, if you think that, that's fine. Anyway, the, I can't wait to watch it. And, you know, and so with the more you dig into it, it looks it's it went to Keynes. I guess when you go to Keynes, is that how you say it from France? The Cannes Film Cons, Festival, yeah. Keynes. Cannes Film Festival. You go there, and I guess you have to sell it, right? I mean, that's what you do. You have to go over there to sell the, and then for the distribution rights, correct? Exactly. And that's why it becomes a real seller's market sometimes. So hopefully you drive the price up. There's a lot of demand for it. A guy like Oliver Stone, I can't imagine he has any issues selling. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it really is. It really is incredible. And they go into this whole detail about this. Uh, I think his name was Canal or something, this CIA agent who was in charge of Oswald, who was basically brought him back into the country and went into an El Paso bank. AD, it's fascinating. Went into an El Paso bank like two weeks before the shooting, before the killing of the president, and shot two two gunshots into the bank and got arrested and was really never trying to rob, rob the bank, but he wanted to be arrested. He wanted to be in jail before he knew what was going to happen on November 22nd. And he told the police officer who arrested him, he said, look, this is a bit safer place for me. And they got documentation of it. Wow. That's cool, man. Listen, one thing with Oliver Stone is like you said, he digs deep, smart guy. Maybe sometimes he goes off the deep end a little bit, but the original JFK is a powerful film. And like you said, anybody who actually thinks Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone, like I've been to Dallas. I I, I mean, it's, it's kind of jarring. I know you've been, you see the X literally on the street where JFK's head was blown off. Once you dig in, it's tough to not dig out of it because it's so fascinating, all that material. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I mean, it, it really becomes surreal when you start looking, listening to it and, and you listen to the guy's name is Richard Case Nagel, N-A-G-E-L-L. His, and there's a book called The Man Who Knew Too Much. It was uh, he was basically a CIA informant. He worked there. He went into this bank uh, and he got himself arrested. And he told the officer that he died in Los Angeles one day. After the Arizona, uh, after the Assassination Records Review Board sent him a letter requiring him to come to Washington and report to what he knew, and he died the next day. Jeez, wow, it's amazing. Uh, can't wait to see Oliver Stone's documentary. I hope they got a good sale. Yep, we'll see. I'm looking forward to it. All right, thanks so much for checking the GM Shuffle. We got plenty of news down the pike here, so keep listening. And once again, we'll start going to two weeks. We, we got hard knocks soon, don't we? We have hard yeah. knocks coming up soon. That's right, hard we? knocks, and it's the Cowboys, of course. Jerry can't resist the camera, so hard knocks coming up soon. We'll have plenty of good reviews here.